Welcome to More Than Special with Jermaine Suford. Our program is of interest to parents, family members, and caregivers of children and adults with special needs. Whether it's an acquired delay or one from birth, we'll speak with experts to bring you answers, information, and compassion. Now, here's your host, Jermaine Suford. Well, hello, everybody. I'm here today with Ash Gorman. Ash is currently the executive director of the Boys and Girls Club of Central Virginia. He's also been a case manager, a coach, a recreational therapist, and a mentor. I've brought him on today so that we can talk about how our clients, family members, etc., who may be predisposed to social isolation, and that's before COVID, um, which has just increased the social isolation, what kind of things we can do? What are the benefits of mentoring? How can you be a part of mentoring for another person? And so let's just open it up. Ash, how about you introduce yourself a little bit? Thank you for having me. Um, Just one correction. When you introduced me, you said I was the executive director of Boys and Girls Club. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Big brothers, big sisters. Big brothers, big sisters of Central Virginia. I'm so sorry. That is not an uncommon uh, mistake. People make it frequently. I even get checks every now and then that are addressed to Boys and Girls Club. But yes, and I was going to talk about our relation, the relationship between the two later. That's why my I passed that note, and it just that's what came out. That's all right. And, and we, we, they're a great partner of ours and they do great work all around the country. So being mixed up with them is not a bad thing. There you go. Um, <laughs> as you said, I'm Ash Gorman. I am the executive director of Big Brothers, Big Sisters of Central Virginia. I've been here now uh, as an employee for about 17 years in the leadership position for about 13. Um, before that, I worked as a case manager for uh, with kids uh, with behavioral and emotional disabilities. I was a recreation therapist at an alternative school in Charleston, South Carolina. I uh, taught independent living skills to at-risk teens and young adults. Uh, So my experience is fairly uh, uh, vast and and in a lot of different capacities uh, in the helping profession. I do come by it honestly, as my dad uh, was the director of two separate uh, home for boys as I was growing up. Um, my mom is a special education to retired special education teacher. And my sister is a current special education teacher. So you're uh, surrounded I, by it. Yeah. I, I couldn't get away if I, yep. Yep. <laughs> um, but no, I, you know, it, it's important to know that about me and about how I grew up because I do think that it had an impact on the profession and the life that I've chosen. Uh, As I said, my dad was the director of a place in Charlotte, North Carolina called Thompson's Treatment Center, Hmm. which was a kind of an old school Episcopal affiliated orphanage um, when when I was growing up. And I was young. Uh, My sister was maybe 10, 11. I'm seven or eight. But we but my dad used to take me out to the campus all the time. Um, when he would have to go out for whatever reasons. And my sister and I would just go because we had formed real friendships with the kids that lived out there. They were essentially our our gang, our friends. And so whenever my dad was going out there, I wanted to go. And I think uh, maybe unconsciously, subconsciously, 
I developed kind of an innate caring for people that didn't have what my sister and I had. Uh, my dad was a great figure to a lot of these kids uh, that lived out there. And, um, you know, he, he was an important role model, uh, mentor, if you will, in their lives. Um, but he still wasn't their dad. And we were lucky to have him as our dad. Um, and I always felt, I guess, a little bit sorry for them that they were in the position that they were in. Fast forward until I'm a, a teenager and uh, just looking for a job, you know, to do after <laughs> school and whatnot. Yeah. And I was just drawn to coaching at the YMCA. And then it moved from there. I, I started working for uh, what was at one time called Community Services here in Lynchburg, Virginia. But now it's called Horizon Behavioral Health. Uh, but I became a case manager there working with uh kids who were in some pretty bad spots, uh, abused, neglected, uh, with their own uh, emotional, possibly even mental disabilities. Uh, And then I was moved into a position where I was running camps for these kids in the summertime. Um, And, you know, I'm going to school during the, you know, the school year. And I'll never forget a conversation I had with my academic advisor. She was a wonderful woman. Um, But I was kind of lost, as a lot of young college kids are, and I went to see her, and she said, it's time for you to pick a major, and I looked at her like a deer in headlights. (laughs) I had no idea what I was going to do. So she said, well, what have you ever done? What are you like? What are you good at? And I told her I liked working with kids, all kinds. It was just, I don't know, I kind of have one of those personalities. I'm a big kid at heart. And uh, even as a college student, I was that way. And so she said, why don't you consider child development? And I said, all right, sure. And she put because she was uh, an academic advisor in that school and steered me in that direction. And the rest is history, as they say. And I've been uh, glad to be in such a noble profession. Um, I'm not going to lie. I do love the nobility of it. it. Makes me feel good. I love the good work that we do. I love working with the families that I work with. And uh, I love going home every day and feeling like I've done something to help other people. Yeah. So I um, hear you. I hear you. So, yeah. So now uh, in all those other previous jobs that I just described, I was always working with kids. Yeah. The way I like to, to characterize it is after they had fallen off the edge and broken into pieces. And my job was to along with a lot of other service providers, help scoop them back together and mold them back into the best shape we could possibly get them into. Well, I saw an opportunity at Big Brothers Big Sisters, and and I was fairly unfamiliar with them uh, beforehand, but I read up on them uh, and saw the work that that we do here is preventative. Yeah. And I was not used to that. I was always on the treatment side, but the preventative side really looked attractive to me. Instead of picking up the pieces after kids had fallen apart, we were catching them teetering on the edge and pushing them back. Yeah. And that's the best analogy I can make for it in the way that I looked at it and I felt about it. But obviously, I mean, you dig into the numbers preventative type of care is cost effective. It's usually more successful. 
Um, and I've learned that since I've been here at Big Brothers Big Sisters. But at the time, when I saw the opportunity, it was just, wow, wouldn't it be great to work with kids before they fall to pieces rather yeah. than afterwards? And and so that's what brought me here. And, you know, I've been here for 17 years and kind of a staple with this organization, uh, with the national organization, Big Brothers Big Sisters of America, and certainly in uh, in my community. Yeah. Yeah, that aspect of increasing a kid's confidence and skill sets and having positive influences has a lifelong effect. It's not just that first teeter that you pick them, that you push them back. It's like you almost push them back and give them resources. Exactly. To keep, you push them back and give them resources for them to be able to keep themselves off the edge moving yeah. forward. Yes, yeah. that's very well put, and I'm I'm actually going to use that from now on when I make <laughs> that analogy in the future. Yeah, because um, that lifelong set of, um, you know, increased optimism, confidence, whatever that is, um, you don't know uh, what that next teeter is going to be, and those same resources will be used for them, even if the mentor isn't physically present. Right. And and we're going to talk a little bit about mentoring because I would say that's my area of expertise at this point in my life. So, yeah. um, and you know, I know what your show centers on and I think it fits well. Uh, we're talking about young people and the struggles and obstacles that, you know, all young people go through. Those with disabilities obviously have more obstacles and a tougher, a tougher road ahead of them. But, you know, if we're talking about just kids in general, one in three kids in America is going to grow up without an adult in their life outside of their family who can guide them and show them a better way to life. One in three. Wow. And then you think about all the families that are not your typical nuclear family. You, we have such a high rate of single parent homes in America now. So not only do you not have someone outside the home, now you've only got one person in the home and chances are that one person is working two, possibly three jobs just to make ends meet for their mm -hmm. family. And how much one-on-one -on -one time are you getting with a parental figure or some kind of guiding light? Yeah. Uh, it's just, it, it, you know, the, and, and we're also in a big hurry these days and we go from here to there. We're rushing to do this. Time is, the most valuable thing that we could possibly have. And a lot of kids just don't get time with a caring adult. Um, but mentoring is important. Why? Why is mentoring important? Uh, I, I mean, personally, anecdotally here, um, I, I was lucky to have both parents in my life and uh, they were very involved and loving parents and able to show me a good way of life and good decision-making and what, you know, what's right and wrong. But even outside of that, I had, I was surrounded by people, my coaches, my teachers. Um, I, I just was fortunate in that way. I put a lot of time and effort on my part too, to develop those relationships, yeah. which is a key component of, of that. But, um, but, but I was just fortunate to have good people in my life. And yeah. uh, so I know that you know, it's maybe no coincidence that I've chosen a field and a profession where I'm trying to help others 
And I think largely because I was so fortunate and had so many good people in my life helping bring me along. And I'll be completely honest with you. I was kind of a wild kid and could have easily gone the wrong way despite having so many caring adults in my life. So it's not just kids from poor communities or a particular race or, you know, a particular obstacle. All kids need direction. And and I'm proof of that. But, you know, uh, that's anecdotally, but more so, why is mentoring important? Well, let's let's look at some of the numbers. Sure. Young adults who were at risk for falling off track, but had a mentor, were 55% more likely to enroll in college, 78% more likely to volunteer regularly as adults, 90% more likely to become mentors, and 130% more likely to end up in leadership positions later in life. Those are heavy, heavy numbers, heavy percentages. And obviously, they're comparing them against at-risk youth that were not fortunate enough to have a mentor. And and so, you know, we're we're comparing similar kids, at-risk youth, but those are strong numbers. 130% more likely to end up in a, a leadership position speaks volumes to me because those are going to be the people who are then lending help to those in the future. So, and and of course the statistics about becoming a mentor or volunteering, uh, volunteering, which, you know, and, and in today's world, when we need more guidance from caring adults and more volunteerism, that's a strong statistic, but I'm not done. Those aren't the only statistics. Those are pretty powerful though. Those are powerful. Yeah. Speaking just of Big Brothers, Big Sisters organizations and the kids that have enrolled in our programs nationwide, our kids are 46% less likely to begin using drugs, 52% less likely to skip school. Also huge numbers right there. I mean, obviously drugs and alcohol can sidetrack youth, um, And skipping school obviously can lead to poor academic performance, meaning you've changed the path of your life potentially. But even more, 86% of little brothers and little sisters said their bigs made them feel better about themselves. And we're going to get back to that one in a minute. 82% of little brothers and little sisters said their bigs helped them make better decisions and 79% attributed their improved academic performance to the relationship they had with their big brother or big sister. Wow. So, of course, I'm giving the shameless plug for big brothers, big sisters, because <laughs> that's what I do. Um, we're going to talk more about them, but we're going to talk about mentoring in general, too. Yeah, but sure. That first statistic that I read uh, on that last part right there, 86% of little brothers and little sisters said their big made them feel better about themselves. And that's important. Big brothers, big sisters of America, the, the premise of a big brothers, big sisters match is to match a positive care and adult role model with an at-risk youth in hopes that the relationship they form puts that child on a better path towards success. And, and that, that relationship they form is built solely on friendship and encouragement. Unlike a lot of other programs where 
relationships are built on, you know, based on tutoring for academic performance, or uh, there's an organization called CASA, Court Appointed Special Advocates, where a relationship is built on the idea that this volunteer is helping this child work through uh, the court system to achieve permanency for their foster care. And those are great. And, and, and they both, those, you know, those organizations that are providing those services do great work. But what is so natural and so real about Big Brothers, Big Sisters is that we don't really have another agenda. I mean, the numbers bear out that our kids are going to be better off academically. The numbers bear out that our kids are going to be better socially. But that's not the idea. We want to make a child feel better about themselves, knowing that the residual effect is that child is going to improve in other aspects of their life. Yeah. So, and, and the research since Big Brothers, Big Sisters has been in existence since 1904. Again, it shows that we're an evidence-based organization and we collect a lot of data. And through 116 years of data collection, it shows kids in our program are better off academically and socially after having that positive, caring adult role model build that friendship in their life and encourage them. So uh, that's my plug for Big Brothers, Big Sisters. I'll probably <laughs> reference them several more times throughout our time well, together. But. One of the questions that I have is how much time does it actually take What's the time commitment that a kiddo commits to or that a, um, a big commits to, um, to to make those that level of progress? Right. Great question. The answer is we do have what we call a, uh, I guess, a, a number. We, we, we put it there. Eight to ten hours a month is our okay. suggested time to spend with a child. However... What we see is once we get volunteers in the program, once we get them matched, eight to 10 hours happens in one weekend during the month because volunteers see the fruits of their labor. But let's make no mistake, they're also benefiting from this as well. They see what it's doing for them, the, the, I don't know, the warmth that it creates within them and in their heart, and they want more of it. And, you know, eventually when relationships mature and, and you know, it, the relationship is solid and it's in place, it's no longer a commitment. It's me being me. It's part of my life. This, yeah. this little brother of mine is no longer something I do to feel good about myself or to help another person. It's just part of who I am and, and what I want to do. Yeah. Another number that illustrates that is that we keep track of is our average match length. That's a big number for us. Statistics show the longer two people are together, the more benefit there is going to be to the child. So obviously we work very hard on retention and keeping our volunteers engaged and that kind of thing. So when a volunteer comes to see us, they commit to 12 months of service with that child. Currently our average match length is 35 months. What's that say wow. to you? What that that's a, says that's a me, lifetime relationship. Well, uh, and I'm going to get back to that too. Yeah. But we're speaking of just their relationship where it is officially in yeah. our system and we're monitoring that sure. relationship. Yeah, yeah. We're looking at the, the commitment level of 12 months 
yet our average match length right now is 35 months. That tells me, again, that volunteers feel appreciated, feel that they're doing a good job, and feel like they're getting something out of it. And then, like I say, it becomes natural to them. Just It's no longer a volunteer service necessarily. Again, it's just part of their life and what they've been in the groove of doing, which is... And the simplicity of it is part of the genius behind what Big Brothers, Big Sisters originally set up. It can be on your time. And, you know, because they knew once you get involved with a child and you develop a relationship, you're not going to just easily give that up. You don't want to <laughs> right. give that up. Right. I've been a mentor here at, at my organization and twice, two separate boys. And I know that when those relationships ended, uh, for two separate reasons, and both of them are no longer in this community, uh, I was I was hurt. I, I mean, it, it was sad to me. I'd spent a good amount of time and, and done a lot of good work, but I think I was most sad because it was just, who moved my cheese? I go, <laughs> I go spend time with this child all the time. I love it. We have a great time. And now that's gone. And, and yeah. so it was, it was disappointing. But uh, I feel good about where I got those kids to. And uh, I know that both of them are doing much better than I think they would have been doing otherwise. So, yeah, I, I know um, a little brother who has had his relationship with his big brother for about 20 years and not organ, you know, through the organization after some certain point, I didn't ask for that clarification, but just, the relationship that was built was stronger than any of the natural supports that person came with in this world. And to have that probably saved his life in one way or another, you know? Right. Um, and we, just you know, amazing. We, well, it is, it, 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 thank you. It truly is amazing. The, the impact that one person can have on another person's life by doing nothing more than being, they're being concerned for their well-being and making sure that that child knows that. And to your point, yeah, we have matches here that last all, you know, that runs the gamut. Some do end after 12 months of service for whatever reason. Sometimes people leave the community or what have you. Um, They've still done good work for those 12 months. But we close matches from time to time that are nine, 10 years old. And those are amazing. We bring them in and we get to talk about throughout all the years, the things they've done, we celebrate them. But we, the best part about it is whenever we're saying goodbye to them, you know, maybe they're in the office and we're, they, we've had them over and we had some cake and celebrated it, the closing of their match after 10 years. The best part is knowing that match isn't ending. Right. It's officially ending for yeah. us and yeah. it won't be in our system anymore. But we know those two people are going to stay together for years. And being a small organization in a fairly small community here, we don't have the resources to follow our match participants after their matches have closed. I mean, we just can't do that. We don't have that kind of staffing here. And that would take that would be quite an undertaking. Yes. So when we organically come about those. We, I'll see someone in the community. I'm, I'm out giving a presentation. And, you know, after my presentation, someone comes up to me and says, you know, I was a big sister for four years back in the late 80s. And 
me and my little sister still talk once a week or we go on vacation together. You know, we, we try to grab that and do things for marketing purposes and everything. But more so than that, it is just incredible to hear that our organization and our, you know, our service delivery model and the idea of Big Brothers Big Sisters has created a friendship that has helped both of these people, both of these participants have a more fruitful life. And that's, there's no substitution for that. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah it absolutely is. Um, well, so I know that getting outside of the organization, talking about structured versus unstructured and trained mentors versus regular folks just being a neighbor or something. Um, what do you see as, as a benefit of an unstructured kind of neighbor-like relationship versus structured? Is it better? Well, is it worse? Is it? I, I mean, here's what I, I mean. <laughs> being that I'm the director of Big Brothers Big Sisters, <laughs> I have to say gonna be biased. that a structured <laughs> one is going to be more beneficial to the child from the simple fact that we have a lot of things in place that are for safety reasons for the volunteer and for the child, we can document the pathology of the child and, and the relationship. We can see it grow. We can speak to problems when they exist. It's less likely one of our matches is going to close prematurely versus a match that's maybe made in a church or something like that. But if we're being real, obviously, uh, if there is no big brothers, big sisters in your community and you want to mentor a child, I say, by all means, please do it. Um, any support that a child could get is better than no support at all. And, you know, like I said earlier, one in three kids, there are 46 million young people age eight to 18 in this country and 16 million of them do not have that in their life. So, yeah, our big brothers, big sisters can't serve them all. We, we just can't get to them all. So, um, yes, I certainly promote anyone doing it independent of Big Brothers, Big Sisters, if they can, uh, or if that's the way it has to be. And there are resources out there where you can help train yourself to be a better mentor. But if we're being honest, what is being a good mentor? And I know we're going to probably have to take a break shortly, and maybe I'll wait a little bit on that. But uh, maybe your listeners can think, what makes a good mentor? I'd like to maybe uh, delve into that a little bit when we get yeah. back. But um, but there are resources out there that uh, can help you understand child development issues a little better, talk about active listening and, and those kind of things, reflection. So um, we'll, we'll probably get into that in a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's good to know that you don't have to have a bachelor's degree in human development to be able to be a friend, to be able to be a positive role model. And, you know, as, as kids, kids, they're so aware. They're watching everyone. So if there's any positive relationship that they can have or positive role model, that person may not even realize how important they are to a kiddo. And so if they do some of those relatively basic active listening type of things, they can really make a positive impact and not have that structure. But sure, if if there is the ability to have those, um, I don't know, trainings, supervision, safety nets, then it just makes the relationship last longer, I'm sure, instead of just being a casual person. So yeah, let's go ahead and cut to um, a quick break. 
and come back. And, and I also want to talk about just in general, kids being involved, right? Like we're talking about social isolation and mentoring is one solution, but involvement in different teams or clubs or groups or anything with, with, with structure would um, obviously help with that social isolation as well. So I'll talk to you as soon as we get back from break. what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now. 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Every Saturday morning, listen for the Superstar Sports Talk Block on Voice America Variety. We've got the best programs. If you want to talk football, hunting, outdoors, racing, and more, the weekends belong to sports. And you'll find it every Saturday beginning at 6 a.m. Pacific Time and 9 a.m. Eastern Time. You'll hear from the players, owners, experts, and fans from around the world. It's the Saturday Superstar Sports Talk Block. Wow, that's a mouthful. And it's only on the Voice America Variety channel follow the voice america variety channel on twitter our hosts always have something to say and we know that you do too we tweet on today's hot topics and you're welcome to follow us speak up and join in at voice am variety that's at voice am variety the latest business information is made simple with the voice america business network The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business talk. You're listening to More Than Special with Jermaine Suford. To connect with Jermaine, or if you have a question or comment about the show, send your email to Jermaine at morethanspecial.org. That's G-E-R-M-A-I-N-E at morethanspecial.org. Now, back to the show. Well, welcome back. We're here again with Ash Gorman, and we're talking about mentors and um, kind of decreasing social isolation, I guess, could be a way we could summarize our conversation. Um, So can you maybe share what are some of those qualities of a good um, mentor relationship that, um, what would that big brother or uh, neighborhood mentor type person, what would they look like? What would they be like? Great question. And it's a really simple answer. There is no set criteria that uh, our mentors have, but they, well, they all have one thing in common. They simply want to make a difference in the life of a child. And that's, you know, I know that sounds kind of cliche, but it is the honest to God truth. You do not have to have a college degree. You do not have to have training in child development. Um, You don't have to have any of those things. You have to have a desire to help out a child who's in a rough spot. 
and then the rest kind of becomes uh it comes to you naturally um now within big brothers big sisters we have staff that whenever we make a match, it's assigned to a particular staff member. So that staff member basically holds the hands of the participants during the life of that match, however mm. long it should be. So, of course, that's a resource for volunteers. Oh, I'm out with Johnny on my second meeting last weekend, and he didn't really open up to me. What can I do? Well, our mm. staff is in place to do that. And, you know, you're going to have periods in any, especially at the beginning of any relationship that you're trying to develop where things aren't going to always go smooth. And yeah. so when we, we we talked earlier about kind of a homegrown mentor program versus big brothers, big sisters, that's one of the big things that we offer is our professionally trained staff who can help our volunteers and children develop that relationship a little easier with without as maybe as many as ob- obstacles in the in the relationship building process. Um, and the other big thing that we offer is a vetting process uh, for our volunteers so that we are never putting our children in a dangerous situation mm. by matching them with uh, someone that's, you know, not an appropriate volunteer. Right. I can't be sure that that happens in other settings like we had we're talking about a, a less structured type of mentor relationship. Right. So that's, you know, that, that's a really great thing about what Big Brothers Big Sisters offers. And it's why, frankly, we're the national leader in mentoring uh, yeah. because, of, because of our processes and uh, that kind of thing to make sure that we're keeping our kids safe. So, um, but in general, as we talk about what mentors look like, um, they're regular people regular Joes from the community. And so, you know, I get a lot of questions sometimes when I go out on a recruiting effort, people ask, well, I, you know, live paycheck to paycheck. So I'm not sure I could ever really be taking a kid out to, you know, do this or do that. Man, the most important lessons in life are not that you don't learn those when you're going to the amusement park. You don't learn those uh, on at a day, you know, at the pool or water park or something like that, or going to a movie. You learn those when the mentor picks the child up and says, you know what? I've got real adult responsibilities. I've got to get taken care of today and you're going to help me. So we got to go <laughs> pick up my dry cleaning. We got to go grocery shopping. We got to go pay a bill over here. That's real life stuff. And that's what we're trying to show our our kids who are in our program. Sure, those fun outings are great every now and then. And I hope that our volunteers are finding ways to to have fun with their children. But more importantly are those life lessons about how to be a responsible and productive member of society. Because a Mm -hmm. lot of these kids come from homes where maybe they're not getting that role modeling at home. And so for them to be able to see that with a productive member of the, of the community, now they're teaching them these are, this is regular real life stuff, man. It's not always birthday cake and, you know, fun outings. It's sometimes just taking care of business. Right. That's an important lesson. So, you know, I want to make sure that people understand you don't have to have a lot of money to be a mentor. You don't have to live in a certain area. You don't have to be a particular race. You don't have to have certain privileges. Others don't. You just got to be someone that wants to make a difference in a child's life and be dedicated to that effort. Yeah. 
Yeah, so you're not taking him to work with you, but all those things outside that we do to to get through the week, if if there was somebody with us watching how we interpret the world and how we interact with it, just that very basic, you know, we got to go get an oil change. Then right. the, it's a very normal thing that every adult has to do, but that might not be something that they've had experience with in whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Right. If you want to get to work the, on, on Monday, you go get your oil changed on Saturday. So right. your car doesn't break down. Right. right. But just, you had mentioned you're not taking them to work. And that's true. Most of the time you're not. However, there are workplace mentoring programs. Oh, where cool. Teens, right. And in and, and larger huh. communities. And I know there are big brothers, big sisters organizations in larger metropolitan areas that have maybe more resources and more businesses to partner with where they're bringing teens in to the workplace and saying, hey, you know, college is great. But college ain't for everybody. And it doesn't mean that you don't, uh, you're not going to have a, a potential at a good life if you don't go to college. Here is a job, you know, that we can show you, give you a little taste of, come in, learn how your mentor is doing this job. And it might be something you want to pursue. And so workplace mentoring is actually oh, becoming a pretty, a pretty cool thing. You know, and when you say those, those, the benefit of, um, big brothers, big sisters is also that national outreach, right? You have relationships. The agency has relationships with so many other agencies and universities and businesses. And, and that doesn't come from some of those more organic, small, you know, and I don't want to dismiss those, but that is one of the benefits that you guys obviously have. Um, and so in the beginning, when I, when I said boys and girls clubs, you, you've shared with me that there's a relationship between both of your organizations. There's also a relationship with Syracuse University. Um, those kinds of relationships aren't built easily, and they probably impact tons of kids that you don't even know about. Um, can you share some of those, what, what, yeah. what you're working yeah, on? Yeah, I'd them? love to talk about that partnership. Um, just for the record, uh, Boys and Girls Club and, of America and Big Brothers Big Sisters of America, I'm I'm sure that they have some relationship, but they are actually not uh, part national partners on the level in which we've developed here right. in our local community a partnership with our Boys and Girls Club. And what it is is simply they need kids. They have kids that are coming to their uh, facility every day. And out of school time is a big deal for Boys and Girls Club. And it's written into a lot of their proprietary programs. You know, what can we do to fill out of school time? Well, they have a lot of programs. One of them is called the Project Learn, where kids are spending their time out of school towards academic progress and whatnot. But what they were seeing is there were a few kids that had mentors that were progressing at a much quicker rate than those without. So we said, why don't we get mentors for all the kids in this program? And so that's <laughs> what we're seeking to do because if that's the way to better success, yeah. let's make it happen. And it was, you know, it's, it's always great to partner with a reputable organization and, and them, this, I'm sure they felt the same thing. And, and again, you know, when you're talking about the homegrown versus the, the nationally no, renowned names of Big Brothers, Big Sisters, and Boys and Girls Club, 
you know, it's going to make bringing another partner such as Syracuse University in a lot easier. Right. If, if I was running a faith-based mentoring thing, I doubt Syracuse University wants to get involved with us, you know? Yeah. But just to talk a little bit about that. So um, they know of the partnership that we have with Boys and Girls Club here in this community. And um, they are starting a program. Well, it's more of a research project at this point where they want to find out, does virtual mentoring work? And I think it was obviously born out of our COVID pandemic and our response to that and everyone trying to find ways around it or ways to continue business or make an impact with all the changes that are, you know, so yeah. prevalent in our lives now. Yeah. Zoom. Um, <laughs> so, you know, maybe some volunteers are uneasy about being face to face with kids. So would would a virtual mentoring program work? Well, Syracuse University is going to give us four students who are going to mentor kids in the Project Learn program at Boys and Girls Club um, through Big Brothers Big Sisters, and they're going to be, you know, studying the effects. And if it works and it's productive, Syracuse has plans to roll their students out as mentors to kids all across the country, which I think is awesome and groundbreaking and could be a really big deal. Now, personally, I don't think a virtual mentor can be as effective as a face-to-face mentor. Um, I'm old school. I I believe you sit across from someone, you know them better than had you just spoken to them on the phone, Uh, you know, reading body language and everything. But you know, we got all that with Zoom now. But just in my own personal opinion, I don't think you can be as effective. However, we can't serve all these kids as it is yeah. right now. And the, the need is only growing. Um, so some mentoring is maybe better than none at all. Uh, I certainly can get on board with that idea. Yeah, yeah. And it does seem like the kids, um, they have so much more experience with internet and um, video relationships than we ever had. And maybe some kids would excel with that. I could see. Agreed. And and there might be like, well, I only have 45 minutes. Well, that might've been not enough time to drive all the way across town to pick them up for 45 minutes. But maybe that 45 minutes without the traveling could be used instead of lost. There might well, be some I, benefit. I, yeah. I completely agree with that. But even more so, think about kids who maybe are so, their their self-esteem is so low due to their weight, or maybe um, they have birthmarks on their skin or things that embarrass them or that they don't feel good about. That's not maybe being shown just on the little six by yeah. nine screen of their Zoom call with their mentor. So maybe they can get past that and develop a relationship where that's not uh, an obstacle to them developing that relationship. And then once the relationship is developed, then maybe they're, they feel better and that, that mentors encourage them to a point they don't need to be embarrassed or ashamed of that anymore. So I completely agree. I think uh, it opens up a new world and a lot of new avenues and I'm excited for what it means. And when I say, you know, I'm personally don't believe it can be as effective. That's just because I'm 45 years old. I'm not, you know, I didn't grow up on the internet like a lot of these kids did. And I know my own two kids 
are much more proficient with their technology than I am. So yeah. I'm, I, that's just me being old school. Um, I, I do recognize the, the new avenues that it can open up for us, and I'm excited about it. Yeah, and with rural families, if it takes 35 minutes just to get to the next you know, small town that doesn't have even a coffee shop and it takes an hour and a half to get to the town that has a streetlight, then it might be a better way to start those relationships or keep them going throughout the week. If you only see somebody once a week, maybe you can still talk to somebody virtually in between those to continue that building those relationships. Yeah. um, So, and then as for when you were talking about filling time with Having group activities, it seems like we've put almost all of those on hold, minus school starting this week, for us anyway. (laughs) Um, With kids being on a team or in a non-academic group of some sort, a club, uh, something after school, whether it's structured or unstructured, then they get those relationships with their peers. Um, And I imagine that there's some unintended, I don't know, peer modeling, peer mentoring, peer support that kids, you know, observe other kids learning something and growing and, and that pushes them to grow. Um, But just having some involvement with others uh, is extremely important to child development. Just absolutely. How completely agree. And, and, you know, uh, from a mentoring standpoint, yeah. I mean, not every kid is going to get a mentor or necessarily needs a mentor, but I think every child needs a sense of belonging. And I think those groups and sports clubs offer that. Um, Obviously, you want it to always be in a positive, you know, place. And, and And you mentioned earlier, structured or unstructured, I would urge kids to get involved in structured activities if they can because I think there's less likely for negative behaviors to develop with others in that group and whatnot, and less likely for cliquish type of, of scenarios to happen. So I've always been a big fan of structured activities, extracurricular activities. And, it, you know, and again, our, our mentors work with kids and, you know, we talk about match closure. Just the other day, we had to close a match for a child been in a program five years, roughly. Um, and when, when we asked him why the match has to close, he said, well, just with so much other things going, he's in high school now, with so many other things going on in my life, I'm part of the band, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. Yeah. That child never would have joined band, maybe, if that mentor hadn't have made him and encouraged him to be a part of a group and gotten him thinking that. But yeah. now he's in it, he loves it. It's it's what he's focused on. So, um, and he's, his academic performance has gone up, uh, you know, granted he had a mentor in his life, but I envision it's still going up through the rest of his high school career sure. because he is part of a group. He feels good about himself and it keeps him focused on certain things. And he knows he can't be a part of band if he's not doing well academically. So yes, I always encourage kids to get involved with as much as they can. Don't have dead time. And, you know, dead time was a lot more prevalent, I think, in my day and time. I'm, I'm a, you know, Gen Xer, late Gen Xer. I came up, you know, uh, through the 80s and early 90s. And 
you know, we had teams and clubs and everything, but man, now it seems like those things are offered around every corner. So back in my day, you probably could have said, yeah, there's nothing that really suits me. I'm not in, you know, (laughs) that's not an excuse anymore. (laughs) There is a club or a group or a sporting, an athletic group that suits every need possible. So kids no longer have that excuse. Yeah. There's, there's even a lot of, um, you know, if you want to learn how to code, uh, our, our local, uh, N- Nature and Science Museum will teach a six-year-old how to code. <laughs> it's really cool. All the different special interests that kids can find. Um, and some of those are online, which, you know, takes away all those logistics. But the the social involvement that kids have, whether it's with peers their age or with adults who are mentors, I know that there's also a lot of um, research about, like you were saying, with um, – a productive adult, one who learned a lot of job skills. So like if you learned how to do stuff with your hands, but you know, you may not have gotten that opportunity to help change somebody's oil when you were a kid. Cause you're, but maybe you're an awesome mechanic because you did one of those on-site job experiences in high school. There's a lot of schools that require kids to go get 10 hours a week of outside employment just to get job skills how to show up on time, how to relate with your right. boss, how do, how do you explain a day off? How, how to communicate. Yeah, right. I mean, these yeah. are soft skills that, you know, again, my, I had two parents who were both pretty proficient in that type of thing, and they were able to teach me, but a lot of kids don't. So, yeah, you, you've yeah. got to have those people, and you can learn those being a part of these athletic groups and clubs and whatnot, and you know, that coach or that team is essentially just a mentor. Sure, they're teaching you the game, but they're really showing you a positive way to be, how to stay focused on a end goal and, uh, you know, cooperative learning, teammates, that kind of thing. So, yeah, yeah. I, I always yeah. encourage kids to get involved in something. Yeah. Well, um, what kind of resources do you think if families – have a kiddo or if they know of a kiddo can kids self refer themselves to big brothers big sisters typically not no not to my organization the legal guardian is the one that has to to make that initial referral yeah Uh, we do work with service providers therapists and you know psychologists psychiatrists in the the area who will place that initial phone call and at the time we'll explain to them what's going on but that guardian is going to have to be the one that actually calls and gets the process started with us. I understand that may not be the case at other places. And, and so I would urge people, and I know, you know, we all live in different communities of different sizes uh, that have different resources, different, you know, available resources. So um, if you live in a more rural community and you don't have maybe a big brothers, big sisters, or, you know, check in with the school, The school is always going to be a good place to start. Uh, Check in with your churches. I know a lot of churches in this area um, or, you know, any faith-based organization, but a lot of churches in this area, and we got a bunch around here that, you know, we're, we're in the South here and we got a ton of churches, (laughs) but they, they really do a nice job of uh, helping to fill in the gaps where the community nonprofits cannot. So, um, you know, Check in with uh, those. And then uh, online 
you know, we talked a little bit earlier about how you can improve yourself and being a mentor to a child. You can find those resources everywhere, how to improve yourself being anything to anyone. So um, get out there. There is one book I want to plug that I thought was awesome. Um, It's the Youth at Risk, a prevention resource for counselors, teachers, and parents, the sixth edition. Uh, that's a great resource guide that can help parents who are dealing with kids with, you know, issues that run the gamut, all types of different issues. So uh, check that out, too. Yeah, yeah. There is, um, when you talk about preventative things, it's you don't know what you're going to help because it didn't yet, that, that tipping point hasn't happened yet. And so getting some of those trainings and active listening or like this book, um under your belt so that you can, when the time comes, when that moment, when that kid comes to you and says, here's my hoof, here's my choice I have to make. What do I do? Those things that you can learn in advance are definitely helpful for you don't even know what yet. (laughs) So great. Well, thank you very much for um, joining us today. I know that there's a lot of families who will have questions. Is there a way that they could reach out to you or to the national or to yeah, I mean, finding Big Brothers, Big Sisters of America, their national uh, numbers shouldn't be difficult. I mean, obviously, you can Google that. They do have a contact form you can submit online. Cool. To get in touch with me, it's Big Brothers, Big Sisters of America, I mean, of Central Virginia. I'd be happy to talk to anybody that wants any more information, and certainly those in my community who want to make a difference. Yeah, yeah, and I'm sure that you need volunteers. You need always. We got about thirty. We got about thirty kids on our waiting list right now. Waiting just for, for you guys. That thirty just kids. For us. Yeah, I bet nationally it's. I mean, it's got to be. Yeah. a thousand times that. The the greatest day of all time will be the day when we have volunteers waiting for kids. Oh, <laughs> well, well, let's hope that there's some really great people listening right now who want to help out outside of Virginia, in Virginia, wherever. Um, well, awesome. Um, and as for me, I will be um, checking in with you personally because I want to see how we could um, continue to help develop this with so many people that we run across. I'll forward you anything that I get, and I hope to talk to you soon. Um, if there is any questions that anybody has, feel free to reach out to me. I hope everybody has a great day, and um, I'll listen to you guys on uh, next week's podcast, we're going to be having another great host. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to More Than Special. Be sure to tune in again for another program featuring your host, Jermaine Sufert, next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Thanks again for being a part of the show. 